It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey Labounty, joined by Michael Brauner and... Hope everybody's had a fantastic Tuesday and yesterday had a chance to be in Pensacola and was hoping today to be saying, just wait for Selection Sunday. And unfortunately, the South Alabama Jaguars came up just a little short yesterday against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And want to get your thoughts on last night's context Contest South Alabama loses 71 to 66 in the Sunbelt Conference Championship and finished the season 19 and 16. South was up 37 to 33 at halftime, Mike, and I felt pretty good about the chances for South Alabama to hold on again. The Cajuns were going to have to beat South Alabama three times, and at the end of the day, they were able to do so. Yeah, and it felt it felt pretty good. Like you said, I, I think things looked pretty good at halftime. Richie Riley's been saying, what, for three games in a row now that the tougher team in the last 20 is going to get it done. And I don't necessarily think they were they were out-hustled or, or, or that the Cajuns were significantly tougher or anything anything like that. I, you know, South just didn't make their free throws down the line. The offense got a little bit one-dimensional. Everything went through Isaiah Moore, who had 33 points and had a phenomenal game. But, yeah, just ultimately uh, the Cajuns were a little bit better of a team. That season high by Zay Moore, 33 points, was critical. But even more so, when you look down at this game, championships are won. The devil is in the details. And the details happen to be at the free throw line where South Alabama was only 17 out of 28. 60%. It's that's not, just it's not going to get it done in March. It, it's it's not going to get it done when you start leaving points on the floor. Now, South Alabama, three out of 11 from the three-point line. And when you start looking at South Alabama being 0 out of 4 from the three-point line in the second half, that was a huge difference maker for the Jaguars. But That Owen White one almost dropped at the end. It too, was it? designed perfectly by Richie Riley. And when he called timeout to design the look, 69 to 66, you knew you had to have a three. Owen White had continued to carry the Jaguars throughout their winning streak on the tournament and really started shooting the basketball the way everyone had expected them to because in this game, South Alabama led for 24 minutes and 40 seconds. So a majority of the contest, South Alabama controlled it. I mean, there were five lead changes. And on top of the five lead changes, we were tied twice. Only seven players saw action for Richie Riley. And I think what it boiled down to is the Jaguars just kind of ran out of gas. 
but when they had the opportunity to make free throws after a technical foul was called on one of Louisiana's players, Kevin Samuel went to the free throw line, only two out of nine for the game. And your big man could not make free throws down the stretch. And two out of nine is, th- th- is hard to look at. That That's tough uh, when you start talking about trying to win a game. And again, 40 minutes of action for Owen White is yeah, what he, he had. He didn't come out of the game. Did, did not he? come out of the game. I mean, when you look at uh, Louisiana, like you said, only seven players played for South Alabama. Ten players played for, for Louisiana. Dalcourt come, came off the bench for the Cajuns and played 31 minutes. I mean, one of the one of the players for South Alabama that came off the bench only played five minutes. So it's just, I think uh, it came down to depth at the end of the at the end of the day. Again, free throws will bear you in March, as we've seen really for the last 50 years. Uh, you don't make your free throws in March, you're you're going to lose the game. That that just is the reality of the situation. I think. The Jags have kind of rode the hot hand of Owen White through through the Sun Belt tournament to get there, and uh, obviously he didn't have a huge impact. He played 40 minutes, but you know he was 0 for three from the three point line. Didn't have a huge impact on the game as a whole. So they just ultimately fall a little bit short. But you know, a quite a quite a run for the Jaguars. It, it really was. I mean, the Cajuns eight out of 17 from the three point line, nine out of 12 from the free throw line, only nine turnovers. So it wasn't like South Alabama. Alabama turned it over, but as we've had people in the app talking about, they feel that South Alabama was one-dimensional offensively with Zay Moore, and it was a season high for Isaiah Moore, and he's a tremendous scorer who Coach Riley talked about in his post-game news conference, had gone through a lot of adversity and personal physical struggles to make it through the entire season, and the big fella, Kevin Samuel, Someone puts in the app only 26% from the stripe this year. The free throw his, line. That was his numbers on the season? And oh, that, that, boy. If that is his season average, I know every time that I was at a South Alabama game, the big fella did struggle to make free throws. He's and, the Sun Belt Defensive Player of the Year. But, but he is the Defensive Player of the Year. He had a couple blocks last night. With those big hands and as big as he is, you know, Shaquille O'Neal had to shoot it, I don't know, maybe go Rick Barry style shooting free throws if you're you're Samuel because with those huge hands either shoot it with one hand uh and just turn the ball over and flick your wrist or just go straight rip Rick Barry style and granny style if you're shooting 26 percent for the season yeah 20 26 percent is right I mean he was 29 percent last year 38 percent the year before that so it I I mean I I hate to just read these numbers out loud because they're not pretty to look at but you, and ultimately, that was the difference. So we, we could probably blindfold Michael Bronner <laughs> and have him shoot from the line, and he'd come close to 26%. I, I, I truly do believe I, I am better than a 26% free throw. Well, sure. Corey, you just went to well, the eye doctor, right? I, so. I went to the eye doctor, <laughs> and, and I know that, you know, even shooting with your eyes dilated, I probably could shoot better than 26% from the strike. But, I mean, again, try granny style. I, I, I think that that was a good throwback. And you, you, at the end of the day, when you start looking out, 17 out of 28 for the Jaguars, that that was the difference in them winning and having an opportunity on Selection Sunday to have their name called and to be Sunbelt Conference champions. And it's unfortunate that they made one heck of a run and just came up a little bit short and then asked afterwards, were the Jaguars going to play in any postseason yeah. basketball? Coach 
Coach Riley flat out said, "Look, we're we're gassed." I mean, we, they played seven. They played anything. seven guys last night. Like, how how do how do you even have the fact that they were that they didn't get smoked last night is pretty impressive. They were were winning, and you could make the argument that they should have won uh, with seven uh, a seven man rotation. I'd have to go back and look at the previous couple of games and, and, and take a look at the minutes. But Same yeah, thing. I mean, they're just not a very deep team this year, and uh, so maybe something to move forward next year. You know, look to the transfer portal, add a little depth. Obviously, the game has changed a bit in that way and that, you know, it doesn't just have to be bring in this freshman. You know, maybe you can bring in this kid from small school who's looking to, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. Well, I mean, with South Alabama, again, a phenomenal season in regards to the way they closed it because it, it started ugly. It started real ugly in Sunbelt Conference play, and you just weren't sure whether the guys were going to fold up shop and really just give up. But they found a way not to give up. And because they didn't give up, I think that's what ultimately led them into the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. And I said it yesterday and again today. Uh, as someone in the app says, depth has really been Riley's biggest downfall his entire career, and he's never played more than eight players in any season. That's a crazy stat. I, I think that if you have the right rotation, you can find guys. I mean, there's what? Five, like five guys you start, five, your five best, and then six and seven that you trust, and then and then maybe an so it's like you can have a really good team with with only an eight man rotation. It's not like you have to. I mean, look at Alabama this year. Yeah, they they play about ten or they're running ten or eleven guys deep. Probably they're the deepest team in the country. But you, you don't have to play that way. You can win with an eight man rotation. But that that is a crazy stat that he's never played more than eight numbers. I guess it's just not his MO. I it, I think that when he's had the ability to reach down and go deep, it's not like he subs five in and five out at a time. That's never been yeah. Coach Riley's MO. Uh and I, I you know again, you look at the last play that he drew up for Owen White. It was perfect. Uh outstanding Can't ask look. for a better look. Could not ask for a better look for South Alabama just just did not fall in your free throws when you had an opportunity to knock them down couldn't get over the hump and on selection Sunday we will see the Raging Cajuns representing the Sunbelt Conference and a year ago South Alabama postseason play did them well in regards to the CBI, the College Basketball Invitational, I think is what they played in a year ago. And they made a deep run into the semifinals there before they lost. And I think that when you start looking at one of the schedules or the schedule this year that South Alabama did play in seeing Oklahoma, in seeing Alabama, and going to yeah. New Mexico State, one of the toughest schedules that the Jaguars have had, they just they didn't come together as a unit until down the stretch, the last 10 or 11 games is when they got red hot. I mean, they started, what, 2-7 and seven in the Sun Belt and finished 7-2? and Because I think they finished 9-9, nine and nine, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that that's a turnaround. Whether whether you want, I mean, obviously you want to finish better than 500 in league play, but when you start 2-7 and seven and finish 500, uh, you can't you can't uh, turn your nose up at that by any, by any stretch. And... You know, for for them to make that run in, in the tournament, take out Southern Miss in dominating fashion again, and then you know, out really just out effort James Madison and route to getting to the Sun Belt Championship game. It, it can't be understated how how great of a run this was. It's just unfortunate that uh, we're not going to see them on Sunday. A one seed was eliminated. You look at a four seed that South Alabama knocked off, and 
came very close yesterday to knocking off the number two seeded team in the Sunbelt Conference. And Coach Riley, again, made mention to it in his postgame conference that for South Alabama, this was their this was their toughest matchup. Not not Southern Miss, not James Madison. Clearly not Southern but, Miss. They destroyed them twice. But well, that's what you want to do. I mean, you want to show what you are capable of doing. Yeah. And South Alabama did show that this season again, ending their season with a 19 and 16 record. But outside of that, March Madness continues to roll around, and that's the great thing that we'll continue to see the SEC tournament. Get ready to get started later on this week. We'll have some play-in games as well. And you also want an opportunity here on WNSP to qualify you for a little March Madness action. And we're excited to announce our 2023 March Madness Matchup Challenge at Moe's Barbecue Downtown on March 15th. We're going to pair up 64 of our listeners with a random team that's competing in the tournament. And if that team you're paired with wins that big dance, then you win the grand prize of that brand new flat screen TV. And I know I could use a brand new flat yes, screen sir. TV yes, from Bailey's TV and mattress and two one hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And all you have to do is to win and qualify is to show up at Moe's Barbecue Downtown by six o'clock on next Wednesday, March 15th. And to qualify today, we're going to have four qualifiers today. And to qualify, you're going to have to be the first to call Nick on the phone when you hear one shiny moment play. And if you're not able to get Nick on that line the first time, don't worry now because we're going to qualify four people every morning and afternoon. If you don't get it today, you only have like – 50 more tries, something, right. something like that. And then we're going to leave open eight spots for you as well. So you can show up and get in and become a qualifier the night of the event. Just those eight spots would be available if you make it to Moe's. So remember, when you hear one shining moment, one of my favorite theme songs of all time by Luther Vandross, be the first to call Nick on the phone and guarantee your spot in the March Madness Challenge and for your chance to win that grand prize package. And you have to be at Moe's the night of the event to participate. So make sure you listen for that one shining moment. And again, more than one shining moment here on the final drive as there's plenty going on today on the show. At 3.30, we'll have Luke Johnson talking Derek Carr and the Saints and everything that's going on. What are the Saints? Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner. Nick Wiggins behind the glass taking your telephone calls. 251-694-1055. One oh five five, and we were just talking about March Madness, and one of our appers says David Barrett's version of One Shining Moment, the original, is the best, better than Luther, and better than Teddy Pendergrass. Now I'm sorry about that one. I have to say that Luther, by far, is the best of all time. You you could play the Luther version a hundred times. And you know what I would say to that? It's still 
Never too much. <laughs> <laughs> and look, nothing wrong with Teddy P, because I love Teddy P too. And nothing wrong with David Bear. I just I personally think that Luther nailed it and CBS went away from it for a moment and came back to Luther Vandross one shining moment and a lot of shining moments for NFL quarterbacks and players as will you be franchise tagged? Will you be non-franchise tagged? And today was the deadline. And what does exactly a franchise tag mean? And that's what I know a lot of people want to know. What does that mean? Because at the end of the day, it means a lot of money is what it means. But you can have exclusive versus non-exclusive. An exclusive tag means that players can't negotiate with other teams. The value of the one-year deal is based on the average of the top five salaries at that position. Okay? And a non-exclusive tag, players can negotiate with other teams and the tagging team has the option to match the offer sheet or receive two first-round draft picks if they decline. Well, Lamar Jackson has been the talk of the town with the Baltimore Ravens. Is he holding out for more money? He does not have an agent. It's just him and his mom. And I know we talked last week, Mike, about what does it mean not to have an agent? Well, to me... You look at his teammate in Baltimore, Roquan Smith, who plays middle linebacker for the Ravens. He negotiated his own deal without an agent. Five years, $100 million. That ain't too shabby when you start talking about negotiating a deal. And Lamar Jackson, again, he and his mother both are his own representatives, and he does get the franchise tag, non-exclusive tag, is what Lamar gets. Yeah, so I think this is a really good move for the Ravens. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but I think maybe they got a little bit tired of the back and forth with Lamar and his mother and kind of just said, all right, go negotiate with another team. And if you get this ridiculous number you're asking for, fine. We'll take two first-round picks for you, and, and that'll be just fine. And if not, uh, if, if you end up coming realizing that you're not gonna get this ridiculous Deshaun Watson huge guaranteed contract which again you know we've gotten into the is Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson the better quarterback at their peaks I think Deshaun Watson is the better quarterback but and again Lamar Jackson guaranteed money Lamar Jackson's not a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson but we could spend an entire uh, uh, segment on that we're not debating uh, morals here I guess MVP awards don't mean anything but yeah, keep going with your point I have playoff I'm success as well but uh, anyway Anyway, yeah, you're going to throw me off track. Off. Yeah, you're going to throw me <laughs> off track there. <laughs> anyway, no, if I'm the Ravens and uh, and Lamar goes and finds out, all right, I'm, I'm not going to get this $200 million guaranteed or whatever the number is. I don't have it off the top of my head. Uh, you either get the chance to match it or you get two first-round picks. So I, I think this is honestly a perfect situation for the Baltimore Ravens because they have all the control now. So it's like they're either going to get two first-round picks, which is probably what you're going to get maybe a little bit more in if you just traded them to begin with, versus having to negotiate with Lamar and his mother, who are, I, I can tell you are just going in there and saying, we want what Deshaun got. We want what Deshaun got. We want what Deshaun got. Lamar Jackson hasn't finished the season in the past two years. He hasn't been on the field. Snoop Huntley started a playoff game a month ago. Snoop Huntley for the Ravens. Michael, Michael, you're blaming the wrong people here. You shouldn't be blaming Lamar and his mom. We need to be blaming Cleveland. Cle- it, <laughs> Cleveland, Cleveland broke the market. I'm not, saying, I'm, the market. I'm not saying you're wrong on that, but... 
Daniel Jones also just got $40 million. The market is what the market is. Well, if Daniel Jones is getting 40 Lamar Jackson should get 80. I agree. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I, right, I'm, with, the same page. I'm with you, but like that doesn't mean you're just going to give it to again. What's the best ability availability? Lamar Jackson not been available in the key in, in key times the past two seasons. But is that because he knew that he was not getting his money? Wait, what do you, I mean, I think uh, the playoff game this year, you know, there was instability in the knee. I mean, you had guys, you had, I think it was Sammy Watkins, I can't remember, uh, saying, you know, he should be playing. It was the same injury, allegedly, that RG3 had. He came out and said, like, this is what ended my career. Like, I mean, there was no reason for Lamar to be on all contracts and stuff aside. There was no reason for him to be on the field towards the end of the season, based on all accounts, based on what that injury was. So that, I, I'm not saying he should have been playing by any means. I'm just saying... If the guy can't be on the field and can't consistently stay healthy, which is not the, all that surprising based on his style of play, how, how do you just hand him a giant guaranteed contract? Ship him out of town, grab two first-rounders, start the rebuild. I, I know that Marlon Humphrey and a lot of other Baltimore Ravens are saying there's no way. Just pay the man what he's asking for and keep him right here in Baltimore. He's he won is, one playoff game. This uh, is the team that paid Joe, made Joe Flacco the highest Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. NFL. Joe Give Flacco Lamar. won a Super Bowl. Lamar has won one playoff game. No. So you, you what think, do you mean no? You That's true. Joe, you think Joe Flacco is more deserving of the money than Lamar? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Joe Flacco That's had more. Ar- That's the point we're arguing and trying to make, right? Well, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. I mean, how do you not? Yeah, you can't. You The Ravens couldn't not pay Joe Flacco at the time. He was coming off of a Super Bowl and a playoff run where he was phenomenal in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson's won one playoff game. One. They won one playoff game with Lamar Jackson. All right, let me ask you this. If Deshaun Watson, when he plays this entire season yes. for the Cleveland Browns, seventeen games. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a fan of Deshaun Watson. Let's not no, let's no, not make not, that out not, to be hey, that. Look, Deshaun, it's, it's not. It's, it's not. It's not about what your personal character. Is. I just what think you he's do, a good quarterback. What you, what you do through the hundred yards. All right. So so Geno Smith. He gets paid yesterday. Yeah, that's another one. Signs three year deal with front, the Seahawks. Front loaded too. A hundred and five mil. 52 mil in the first year alone. Mm -hmm. Now, credit to Geno Smith. At the quarterback position, he did not miss a snap this year for the Seattle Seahawks. And he was stepping into Russell Wilson's shoes. He was better than Russell Wilson. But here's the thing with with Geno Smith. Geno Smith, you start looking at how long he's been in the league. Second round pick of the Jets in 2013. Mm. He's been kicked around like a can in the NFL. And he's finally found himself. He found a home. He found somewhere that he was comfortable with. More importantly, his offensive line was able to keep him upright for a majority of the season to even get them qualified for the playoffs. But to play every single snap in the NFL is very impressive, and it's almost unheard of. That's why he was a pro bowler, and he's deserving to me of this money that he's earned. I mean, if the Ravens all – if Geno Smith – and Lamar was willing to take the contract that Geno Smith got. The Ravens would do it in a heartbeat. I mean, they, I mean but it's it's probably double that. Well, what it's Lamar MVP wants. money. It's MVP money versus hey, I I need a stable quarterback and a reliable quarterback. Yeah, that's the difference. MVP money. Geno Smith was never going to be the most valuable player of the NFL. 
Uh, hey, he was a top five quarterback until then. And we, we got into this a little bit last night on the first episode of the Throw It Deep podcast, which you can tune into starting tomorrow afternoon. But, yeah, I mean, he was a top five quarterback for a lot of the season, then just faded down the stretch. But they're not committing to him long term. So, I mean, good for Geno. Three years is what they're committing to. And the Saints are committing to Derek Carr. And Derek Carr is hitting the jackpot with the Saints, but will he have any protection and anybody to help him out in New Orleans? Well, coming up next, we'll speak with Luke Johnson, who covers the Saints, and we'll get and dig deep into what the Saints are not only going to do in the draft, but their current roster as well. You're listening to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, Michael Bronner, Nick Wiggins taking your phone calls, 251-694-1055. Hey, this is Coach Tommy Tuberville, and you're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty along with Michael Bronner and Nick Wiggins behind the glass taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And don't forget, we're qualifying four people a show for the WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge. And in March... You have a lot of madness when it comes to preparing for the NFL combines and the NFL draft. And yesterday, we had a little news with the New Orleans Saints making a decision to sign Derek Carr and thought it would be great to get Luke Johnson, who covers the Saints for the Times-Picayune and want to welcome Luke Johnson into the final drive. Luke, good afternoon, and how's everything going in your neck of the woods? I think a little bit more quiet today than it was yesterday. I'll take that. Absolutely, and it was a little bit loud yesterday because one Derek Carr is coming to the Saints, and talk about what kind of fit do we think that Derek Carr will be for the Saints and whether – I like him or you like him. Apparently, Saints management felt that he was the guy to run the franchise. Yeah, they were uh, they were really, really all in on him. You know, I, I hesitate to say they even had a, a real backup plan because I don't, I don't think they were they were really big fans of of what they would have uh, you know had to do a quarterback if they didn't get if they didn't get Derek Carr. So, yeah, I think he's a pretty solid fit. Um, He's a really accomplished uh, player, and you know, I think a lot of people around the NFL, uh, not just here with the Saints, which you know, and I'm sure you know, people like uh, Dennis Allen might have some bias considering the way his tenure went with the Raiders, but I, I think a, a lot of people around the NFL would be like, you know, what goes on there is just kind of kind of crazy, right? <laughs> it's hard to really get a read on on uh, on what a, a player or a coach or the front office executive is capable there because they're capable out there because it's just um you know it's, it's kind of a, a dysfunctional organization so I, I think the saints saw a player who's probably better than the stats suggest um yeah, they've heard nothing but really really positive reviews from them from former teammates um yeah, Dennis Allen had a very brief time to work with them hand in hand um 
So, you know, I think they see somebody who can who can just immediately elevate their offense, immediately make them a favorite in their division, immediately get them back to the playoffs. And if they assemble the right pieces around them, you know, maybe they can be something a little bit better than, than just the playoff team. Well, Luke, you said immediate favorite in the division, which I think is obvious at this point based on the sad state that is the NFC South. Uh at, at this, I mean, do you think the Saints make this move if they're in any other division? I mean, surely this makes them the favorite to win the division, which obviously guarantees you at least one home playoff game. But, I mean, if you're in a tougher division, or in the AFC for that matter, do you think this is still a move that they make? Yeah. Um, you know, if, we, if we're talking about the same people in the organization, yeah. I, I, and the, Look, I, I think this is something that a lot of people um, – you know, outside New Orleans, um, have had a really hard time grasping. Right? Is is they're they're just like, well, this this team, yeah, you know, they've missed the playoff two straight years. You know, why don't they just blow it up and start over and rebuild with some younger players and whatnot? Um, it's just not it's not how how they operate. And you know, if I were a Saints fan, I'd be happy about that. Right? I, I think they they go into every year thinking like, how can we win? Um, and you know, I, I don't think I'm going to sit here and say I think the Saints are Super Bowl contenders right now. I I don't. Um, but I at least appreciate uh, that they are going into this saying, how can we get as good as we possibly can be this year? You know, and then just see, see what happens when you're, when you're drafting. I mean, you just never know. You never know when you're going to hit on a 2017 draft class. It's going to take you from you know, what the Saints were, right, which was 7-9 and nine for like three straight years, the Hall of Fame quarterback, to being every year in the mix for a number one seed. Yeah, they could hit on that this year. And then maybe they are Super Bowl contenders. Um, so I, I mean, I just think that it, I think their their strategy, no matter what, it, it's definitely helped by the fact that the division is is poor. But even if they were playing in the AFC West, just considering who they have in the building and and what their their team building mentality is, yeah, I think they still would have made this choice. Well, do you think that the Saints have kind of been caught? I, it, it's an interesting case study since Drew Brees has retired. They've kind of been caught between the rebuilding, not wanting to rebuild, you know, of trying to avoid complete irrelevancy. And you saw that with the signing of Jameis Winston and now now Derek Carr. And if you don't if Derek Carr plays how he played this past season, it's going to be a disaster. I, now, I think he's a much better player than he played this past season. But I, it's, I mean, do you wish the Saints had almost approached things differently after reti- after the retirement of Drew Brees and just committed to a full rebuild? No, I don't. I, it, look, I, I mean, they've had just awful entry luck the last two years. Right? I, I mean, they almost made the playoffs starting like four games of Trevor Simeon, five games of Trevor Simeon, right? Um, yeah, they were in the mix last year you know, despite all sorts of just terrible, terrible entry luck. I, you know, they, they went into the season thinking Mike Thomas, both years, thinking Mike Thomas was going to be like the guy on their offense. Right, and and they they had them for a total of three games both years. Uh, they, they had like ten different offensive starting offensive line combinations last year. Jameis Winston gets hurt in week three. Jameis Winston gets hurt in week seven the, the year before. You know, and they've been there, right? Their their defense is still a premier NFL defense. Um, but I think you, you look at at the the reason that the last two teams have struggled is because the offense has just been a mess. Um, and a lot of that has, has to do with injury, but you know, I, I think they recognize some of their shortcomings. 
uh, in terms of like the skill position talent last year, they addressed some of that. Um, I think they're going to keep addressing that this off season and keep banking on their defense being a very good defense. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's unrealistic to say that if, if they can just get, if they can get Derek Carr being the number 12 quarterback in the NFL, which I think is probably about where people would put him, I, I think you're looking at you know, probably a, like an 11 win team, you know, and one that, that could, you know, if they, if they hit on some guys, um, make some noise. I just don't think, I, I think it's, it's really hard to look at the last two years and be like, man, the Saints should have blown, blown it up because they missed the playoffs twice when so many just things went unbelievably wrong and they were still right in the mix. Being right in the mix is exactly where Alvin Kamara has been in the news for the New Orleans Saints. And we know he definitely is a vital part of what the Saints want to do offensively. But as he continues to get older, I know that he's not an everyday back. And regardless of what happens in the legal system, where else can the Saints go offensively to, to get help? Is it a running back? Do they draft up? What exactly are the most demanding needs? Offensive line has stayed pretty healthy, but outside of Kamara, other offensive production. Yeah, I mean, even look, even if Alvin wasn't facing legal problems this offseason and wasn't facing what is likely a six-game or more suspension from the NFL, I, like I think that would still be a priority position for him. Yeah, they went in the last two years saying, like, look, we're going we're to make Alvin the guy. Um, and it's just, it's just not what he is. Like, I think Alvin is still a much better player than his numbers suggest because yeah, they've just been trying to make him bell cow, slamming him into the line on, like, a wide zone play 20 times a game. And that's just not who he is. Like, he's, he was at his best when he was getting 15 to 18 touches per game, and a lot of those were on the perimeter. Right? So I think – they realized that. They realized they were really deficient in talent the last two years of running back behind Alvin Kamara. Uh, so it wouldn't be a surprise for me to see him you know, use one of their first two picks on a runner. There's, there's some really good players in this year's draft class. Really, really good. It's really deep. And, and I think the same thing goes for free agency. I think you could find guys where you know you get through the first wave of free agency and guys are like, I thought there was going to be a better better deal for me out there. Maybe you can sign somebody like Leonard Fournette to a one-year $5 million deal. Right, and he, I think, immediately makes your offense better, especially when you compare him with somebody like Kamara. Um, so, look, I think that's top priority for me. I mean, number two is is they got to get a guy who can move the chains for him, whether that's a receiver or a tight end, with somebody you can count on when it's it's third and goal from the seven. Yeah, they didn't have that last year. As, as much as I really like Shahid and Alave, uh, what they bring to the table. Like they need just a guy who's gonna just bite somebody's head off when they try to, you know, beat them for a fifty-fifty ball. Like they needed Michael Michael Thomas last year. Yeah, they. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, those are those are my top two needs for them offensively at least. And then you know they really, really, really need to invest in their defensive line interior. They've got one guy under contract right now. It's it's kind of a mess right there. Well, Dennis Allen. I know he was under the hot seat after just being the head coach for one year. What kind of success do you think? Is there a magic number that he has to reach this year for the Saints before they just go ahead and shift and go in a totally different direction in year two with Derek Carr at the quarterback? 
Well, I think to be fair to Dennis, I think he was under the hot seat with the fans and not with the organization. Okay. I don't think they ever had any, any thought of moving on from him after one year. Um, but look, the reasonable expectation now is you better win the division and make the playoffs. I mean, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's what their expectations were last year, and they fell short. Um, they had a lot of excuses for why they fell short last year, but I, you know, I think that you know, those excuses are out of the way. The guy got to hire most of his own staff on defense. Um, he got the quarterback that he wanted. You know, this is it. It's put up a shut-up time. You know, I, I, know, I know he knows that. Um, but, you know, they, they can't fall short of that this year. If they don't make the playoffs this year after investing $150 million in a quarterback and you know, doing all this other stuff, um, you know, then, then the real questions start. Yeah, then, then, it's, then you really start to wonder whether he's the guy. Luke Johnson covering the Saints for the New Orleans Advocate and Times Picayune. Want to thank you for the knowledge that you've dropped on the Saints, especially with the news of Derek Carr signing yesterday, a big contract. And we look forward to continue to follow you. And how can people see and listen to all your coverage of everything Saints? Yeah, you can uh, just uh, read all my stuff over at NOAA.com. It's the easiest way to do it. Appreciate that, Luke, and look forward to talking to you really upcoming to the draft to see what direction the Saints are actually going to go from free agency as well as actually on draft day. So continue to follow Luke Johnson there, and we'll stay in touch with you. Thanks for joining us on the final drive. My pleasure, guys. Have a good one. Michael Bronner, Corey Labounty, Nick Wiggins taking your phone calls here on the final drive. 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us. And don't forget, we're qualifying four people a show in the morning and the afternoon here on WNSP for our March Madness Matchup Challenge. This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio, 105.5 FM. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star. And all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's shown. know what that means be the first to call nick on the phone to guarantee your spot in our march madness matchup challenge at moe's barbecue downtown next wednesday at six o'clock and a chance to win a brand new flat screen tv from bailey's tv and mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends from gulf coast water rentals and it's that time to where we talked about a one shiny moment by luther vandross does not get any better and one shiny moment in the nfl the free agency and tagging your players i take your pick here is really what you want it to be and josh jacobs another alabama outstanding player he definitely didn't want the Raiders to use its franchise tag on him, but it was done by the Raiders. And because of it, he could still get his long-term contract that he ultimately wants, but 
because he would, the way he was tagged, he can still talk to other teams. And if he reaches a contract agreement, then the Raiders can match it. And I think that the Raiders, again, pay the man what he's worth. You're the NFL's leading rusher. You can catch the football out of the backfield. You've proven that. You can block. You've shown you can run. And on top of that, you're doing it for the Las Vegas Raiders. So, so you definitely, without question, need to go ahead and pay the man. And Deron Payne also, when he gets franchise tagged, it was done by Ron Rivera and the Commanders. And they want him long-term in Washington, D.C. So you have two former Alabama guys in Jacobs and Payne on both sides of the football at the end of the day are going to get their money. Yeah, and good good for both of them. Uh, I don't know about you. I, I'm not giving Josh Jacobs a, a big deal. I mean, I think it's smart to franchise tag him because, yeah, that financially, that's a big financial commitment for only a year. is just like, na- name me one big long-term running back extension in the past 10 years that has worked out. I mean, maybe Derrick Henry, I guess, but like... It's just not something you do anymore. It's not something winning teams do not pay running backs. Well, they just don't. For for all our cowboy fans out there, how's yeah, it going exactly. with Ezekiel Elliott? And they just tag Tony Pollard because they were. I mean, Tony and and he's fantastic, but you're still paying Ezekiel Elliott, who very well might not be in the league next year. Man, I, I I would hate to play for a team that Michael Bronner was the GM of because he is a cheat. look at the last 20 super bowl winners and how much they've been paying their running backs there has not been one highly paid running back to win a super bowl in the past 20 years i can find you the list at the break but it just doesn't happen winning teams do not pay running backs large contracts it just it doesn't happen it's not it's the most expendable position It's the easiest position to get cheap production from and there's like maybe one or two guys in the league that are worth paying a big contract to. I don't think Josh Jacobs is one of those guys. I, I think he is. I really do. Christian McCaffrey is that dude. I think Christian McCaffrey okay. and Derrick Henry. That's it. But but you're talking about, does Derrick Henry provide you with the versatility that Josh Jacobs does? It doesn't matter. He's 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 a monster. <laughs> he's the best. He, he's Didn't unstoppable. Didn't ask you whether he was a monster. Just ask you, does he give you the same productivity? I mean, I think his pass catching ability is a bit underrated just by just by how good of a runner he is. He does catch the ball. Uh, but, I mean, Derrick Henry at times is the entire Titans offense. Whereas Josh, and again, Titans have made the playoffs a couple of times. And are in a weak division and have the opportunity to make the playoffs. You're going to give Josh Jacobs a Oh, yeah, Josh Jacobs a big contract. That'll catch you up to Mahomes and Herbert. It won't. Kamara is another one that's getting paid. And he may or may not sit out six games or whatever the NFL deems he needs to sit out from a suspension standpoint. We just talked about Zeke Elliott and the Cowboy fans. He hasn't done anything since the Cowboys and Jerry Jones have shown him the money. Dalvin Cook, to me, terrible last year. 12.6. Is he worth it? Probably so. But again, you just need that productivity. And Aaron Jones out of Green Bay, to me, no. I'm I'm going Saquon Barkley. I'm paying him. Uh, he, got fr- he, got, he got franchise tag today. Aaron Jones. And you got more than five on it with these running backs that we're talking about. I can promise you that. <laughs> and we'll be right back. 
on the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Jim Nagy scheduled to join us here on the final drive. Corey Labonte, Michael Brauner, Nick Wiggins taking your telephone calls. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty along with Michael Bronner and Nick Wiggins taking your telephone calls here at 251-694-1055. And anytime you get to the first week in March or really about a month after the Reese's Senior Bowl, you know that the NFL Combines are in full effect and a week worth of Combines is what Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, had an opportunity to take a look at last week and Jim Nagy joins us this afternoon. Jim, good afternoon and I hope all is well, my friend. Corey, good to be on, man. Bronner, good to uh, be on with you again, too. Appreciate it, Jim. Well, Jim, in here looking last week at the combines i think that one of the things that really has to stick out to you is how did the senior bowl performers do and i'm going to take a, a shot at this northwestern defensive end Addie tamawa Adibare. and i think that is a name that a lot of people may be hard to pronounce but he still gets the type of results not only in the senior bowl but also at the combine you nailed it, Corey. That's impressive. I, I had to do a lot of practicing on that one. Uh, yeah, we, we called him Tommy when he was down here in Mobile. That made it a little easier. But, uh, no, he he had a great week down here. He's a guy that, you know, kind of played was like a stand-up defensive end edge player at Northwestern. And, uh, you know, we kicked him inside and played him at, at three technique as more of a defensive tackle here in Mobile. That's going to be his home. Uh, that's where he's, he's going to play at the next level. And, yeah, he – and, and not really overstating it either, Corey. Like, what he did in Indy was one of the most impressive things I've seen up there. I, this was my 25th combine. And to run 449 at 282 pounds, I mean, just for, like, the local listeners, to put that in perspective, the, the two Alabama safeties, uh, Jordan Battle ran 456, and DeMarco Hellams ran 457. Uh, this guy plays defensive tackle, and he ran 449. So, uh, and, he, and, and it's not like he's just some workout warrior either because, you know, down here we have the, uh, the guys that go up against and practice vote on each other for, for uh, practice players of the week in that uh, national offensive line, which was loaded with guys that are going to be taken in the first three rounds, uh, voted out of Tommy Wah, the, the defensive lineman of the week for his team. So, uh, yeah, he's a guy that uh, when it's all said and done, by the time we get to late April, um, I don't think he's getting out of the top 50 picks. 
Um, I don't know if he can if he can make that jump all the way into the first round, but uh, but he's he's certainly helped himself this last month. Well, you love to see our local products do well, and Jacorian Bennett's speed is second to none. The young man who played at McGill Tulin, of course, went on to play at Maryland and comes back home and gets an opportunity to come home. There's no replacement for speed in the NFL, whether it's on special teams or whether it's from his corner or safety position. Where do you really see him being effective in the National Football League? Yeah, I think he can play outside corner and nickel. Uh, I, can, I think he can play inside and outside at corner. Uh, you know, it was good for, uh, you know, great for Jacorian. That's a really fast time. It was good for me because the, the Maryland folks were telling us over the summer how, how fast, you know, just how well Jacorian was going to time. They kind of called that, that he was going to be a, a guy that's going to go to the combine and blow it out. Um, and that always helps us when we're putting the roster together. You know, we're trying to get guys that uh, – you know, some of our guys go to India and don't fare as well. And, and uh, we, you know, we try to do a better job of staying on top of that with like guys that train these players and, and uh, Jacorian made those guys look smart. He ran four three Oh, which was the second fastest time of all the corners. Uh, it was top five for any position. I think it was fourth or fifth overall at the combine this year. And uh, man, for a guy that uh, was a late bloomer coming out of McGill Tulin, uh, and now to be sitting here, you know, at the, at the doorstep of the NFL draft and, probably looking to be a third round pick. I mean, there's not, not too many corners that run that fast and also got their hands on 22 balls over the last two years in college football at a power five conference. Um, they don't usually, they don't usually get out of the top hundred picks. So uh, really happy for Jacory. And he, uh, he, he, and he, and he jumped like 40 inches on the vertical. Like he, his overall workout was incredible. Jim, we've been spending a lot of time today talking about the value of the running back position in the National Football League, whether you should or should not hand hand a, hand a guy a big contract after a few productive years. I, I, there, there were a lot of good running backs at the Senior Bowl. I think probably the best of them was Tajay Spears. Uh, g- give us a little preview of, of what we can expect from, from the two-lane back. Yeah, you know he he did. He had, he he did have the best week. Um, you know the only the only award we don't vote on that we have the player the only award the players don't vote on is the uh, overall practice player of the week, and that's put up on a vote from um, NFL executives that guy uh, poll those guys at the end of the week. And and uh, yeah, I mean going into Senior Bowl, I, I think that Tajay was probably a fourth round pick. Now I don't think he's getting out of the second round, which. When you make a two-round jump at that part of the draft, he's he's made himself a lot of money, and uh, he didn't run an indie, he didn't run a forty. Uh, I don't really know why, because he he jumped thirty-nine or thirty-nine and a half inches on the vertical jump, and he was like a ten-eight, ten-nine broad jump. So he was he was near near the top of the running back stack in both those events, and then went out and did everything in the position drills and looked great doing it. So um, I think he's going to be one of the top, you know, probably three or four backs. I think it's going to be Bijan Robinson from Texas will probably be the first guy. And then you got like Jameer Gibbs from Alabama. There's there a couple other guys, but I think Tajay's going to be right there. So um, just a really dynamic open field runner, home run threat um, for a junior. You know, we got him as a junior because he graduated early. Um, man, he's just a, he's just a really dynamic player, and uh, he's carried on that five touchdown Cotton Bowl performance against USC in the in the coming here to Mobile, and then and now to Indy. So he's a he's a hot prospect right now. Were there any other senior bowlers to where you start looking at the two South Alabama 
players who were participating in the combine, which is a tremendous accomplishment because it is earned and not given in regards to being invited. But I know Tolbert one year ago being drafted by the Dallas Cowboys and you look at Jalen Wayne and Luter Jr. having an opportunity to kind of increase their draft prospects as well as participating in the Reese's Senior Bowl. Yeah, yeah, those guys both helped themselves. I would, I would think, um, especially Luter. He ran, uh, he ran a pair of like mid four four times, which is what Tolbert ran last year. Uh, you know, and Luter's Luter's had a big month. He had a baby. He played in the Senior Bowl. Now he goes to the Combine and runs well. Uh, you know, I, I certainly think he's going to be drafted probably in that fourth fifth round range. Uh, you know, with Jay Wayne, it's going to be interesting. He ran pretty good. Um, I didn't see the rest of his workout, you know, in terms of the numbers, I didn't see where he came in numbers wise. It's just harder for receivers. There's a lot of them, uh, you know, whereas corners kind of more of a premium position. Um, there's just a lot of wideouts out there. So, uh, you know, we wouldn't have invited Jalen to, to the senior bowl if we didn't think he was going to get drafted. I certainly think he's going to get drafted. Um, just when you get into that deep day three range of wide receiver, it becomes, you know, what our team's looking for. And, uh, you know, I think special teams plays a lot into that as well. When you got day three wide receivers, but yeah, a big accomplishment for those guys. I think it speaks to where the program's trended. Now you've got three South Alabama guys up there in Indy over the last two years, and you know, talking to Kane Womack and the staff out there, I think there's going to be a lot more over these next couple of years. They're they're really excited about these next couple of classes. We're speaking with Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, and Jim. Sometimes we just finished talking earlier about the new quarterback. I say the new quarterback, Lamar Jackson, who again franchise tag, franchise tag, but sat in that green room for a very long time when. He did not hear his name called as early as he would like. Anthony Richardson, the quarterback at Florida. I think, to me, sometimes you see the media build someone up and then all of a sudden on draft day, that camera stays on you until late in the day. How good can Anthony Richardson be? I know he had one of the most raved about quarterback days in combine history, but will he be sitting there? looking at himself by himself in that green room at the end of the day. Yeah, we've, we've seen that happen with a lot of guys. We saw it happen with Brady Quinn. We saw it happen with Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, I, I think Anthony Richardson going to the combine and, and blowing that out was a, probably the most predictable thing you could have called going into the combine. I mean, this guy <laughs> is physically, he's, he's different. Um, you know, I had a chance to, I went to the down to Gainesville and spoke to the team last March. I want to say it was March. Um, I stuck around for another day and, and went to a couple practices and yeah, man, you, you get up on this guy and you see him physically. I mean, he's not built like anyone we've seen and probably since, probably since Cam Newton. Uh, and then you see him throw it and he throws it with ease. And uh, I saw him at the Manning camp. And I, I said back in the summer, I think I was on with, with Dave Schultz and uh, you know, he was head and shoulders, the most talented guy at the Manning camp this summer, but you know, the, the game is played with 21 other guys on the field and there's moving parts and there's coverages and there's, you know, there's a lot into it than playing quarterback rather than just sitting out there in shorts and a t-shirt throwing it. So, you know, he's, he's, he's going to be a polarizing guy. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be a hotly debated guy in draft rooms because, you know, the ceiling is the ceiling. He's got a lot of things that, you know, a lot of God given ability. You just can't coach. Um, but then you put on the tape and there there's, 
You know, it's it's not it doesn't look like a, a starting NFL quarterback, let alone a franchise quarterback. He doesn't look like a guy that could start in the NFL. Um, in and how you know he just haven't played a lot of football. Guys can get exponentially better the more they play. Uh, you know, I think Anthony probably would have been smart from a de- developmental standpoint to stay in college another year and get more snaps. Um, but he decided to come out. He'll probably go in the first round. I don't I don't think he'll slip out of the first. Um, but I think some of this buzz coming out of the combine, now people are talking about being maybe the number one overall pick. I think we all got to go back to the Florida tape um, and see what that looked like and check ourselves because I, I think he's at least a year or two away from being a guy that an NFL, NFL team can line up with. Staying on the quarterbacks, Jim, uh, Bryce Young elected not to work out at the combine, which is relatively common practice. Do you see that more as – Maybe that shoulder's not fully healed. Maybe he feels like he has nothing to prove. You know, CJ Stroud had one of the best workouts ever, for, you know, by all uh, by every scout that was there. But I mean, what what do you feel when when someone chooses not to work out? That's that's a top prospect like that. I mean, you, you want to see all those guys when they have a chance to get out there and, and show their stuff, go out and do it. Um, I don't think Bryce has anything to hide. I think, you know, for a guy that's smaller in stature, he's got a really good arm. Um, I don't think that's going to, I don't think that would have been a knock at all. Now, you know, he would have been in the same group with, with Richardson and Stroud. They would have been thrown probably back to back to back in those drills, which would have been actually would have been really fun to watch. Uh, you know, from, from Bryce's standpoint, I don't know anything about the injury stuff, so I can't speak to that. Um, but I know some, you know, with some of these guys, they want to be in a familiar environment. They want to control it a little bit. Um, you know, they want to control the script. They want to get in a rhythm, you know, at the, at the combine, they, they throw three or four balls and then get back to the end of the line and wait for the five or six other guys to go. And then they get back up. So, um, they want to get in a rhythm. They're throwing a familiar receivers. Like it, you don't have that at the combine. So, um, yeah, I mean, so he's not the first one. He's certainly not the first guy that is elected not to throw. Um, at the end of the day, I don't think it'll hurt him, but it sure would have been fun to watch all those three guys go back to back to back. One thing in speaking with the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim, I, I want to say 124 prospects is what you guys put out at the NFL Combine starting their draft process at the Reese's Senior Bowl. And again, it is the brand of all brands when it comes to getting the draft started or your career started right here in Mobile, Alabama, no matter where you come from, from across the country, the draft truly starts right here in Mobile, Alabama in the Reese's Senior Bowl. And your staff does a phenomenal job bringing the light to the players and just bringing a tremendous positive spotlight with yearly events that the Reese's Senior Bowl does have. Well, thanks, Corey. No, it's it's a, this has always been a great game. We're you know we're trying to do our best to to relay the whole draft starts in Mobile thing, man. We 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 want to push that. We want to get the the city of Mobile out there uh, nationally as much as we can. And and you know I got home and 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 watched some of the combine coverage on TV. And, and at night I'd come home from I'd come home from the from the Lucas Oil Stadium and watch it in the hotel. And uh, man, it's amazing how many references, Senior Bowl references. Uh, all the different practice clips they were showing of the prospects. I mean, it's almost like Senior Bowl and, and Combine are like hand in hand now. You know the way they they kind of cross promote the different events and everything. But when you when you hear Daniel Jeremiah and Rich Eisen just come, the ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows. 
You know what that means. Be the first to call Nick on the phone and guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. You don't want to miss that. That's next Wednesday, which will be March the 15th, 6 o'clock p.m., Moe's Barbecue downtown for your chance to win a brand-new flat-screen television from Bailey's Television and Mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And we were talking before we were on the phone with Jim Nagy. We were talking a little bit about the NFL and the value of what you can have. And there's value in winning our March Madness matchup challenge. And, Nick, I know that that value has been deemed valuable by two of our listeners so far today. That's right. Our first two qualifiers for the final drive are Jeff and Michael. That's not Michael Vaughn oh, or whoa. different Michael. Uh, <laughs> thought I qualified. But, hey, if you win the jet ski rental, you can bring up to three people. And I'm looking at there's three of us in you this can, room you can, right you now. You can bring so us. If you don't got any friends, we'll come. On two separate jet skis as well. That's right. So you can't beat that type of water action. Up to three people on two separate jet skis, Gulf Coast water rentals. That uh, that in and of itself, it's warm enough here in the month of February for us to go ahead and get yeah, on those honestly. jet skis for sure. But March Madness, uh, and again, you can knock the pollen off if you have pollen all over you. The jet skis are a great opportunity to go ahead and make sure you don't have to suffer from it because my truck outside is about as yellow as the sun is. Yeah, uh, shouldn't be any pollen out, out there on the water, uh, No, I would hope. Well, I, I tell you, if there is pollen on you, get on those jet skis, it'll quickly wash go it away. Off. <laughs> wash it off quick, fast, in a hurry, my brother. But what won't? need to be washed away is the amount of money that the quarterbacks are making. Uh, they can wash their money if they want to, but it's in the clean fashion because, Michael, you you were talking about the value of the NFL running back versus the value of the NFL quarterback. Well, I promised you some numbers, to, and, and boy, oh, boy, do I – and it's actually – it actually is worse than I thought in terms of if you have the idea to pay a running back – you maybe shouldn't pay the running back. So let's, uh, you know, allow me to be a stat nerd for a second. It's not even really stat nerd. It, it, it's kind of just these are the facts. I'm going to present them to you. If you like pay, the idea of paying a running back, well, you're not going to like what I have to say, but I'm just going to say it anyway. So this list actually only goes back to 2020, but I can just tell you. This year's Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Isaiah Pacheco is a seventh-round rookie. He was extremely productive in the Super Bowl, huge part of them winning a championship. Again, seventh-round pick out of Rutgers. He was, a, he was phenomenal. Uh, the year before, Cam Akers for the Rams, he only had like 20 yards in the Super Bowl, but they couldn't really run the ball. But again, on a rookie deal. Then getting back to 2020, 
Leonard Fournette, two million dollar salary. Twenty nineteen Chiefs, Damian Williams, one one point zero five million dollar salary. Twenty eighteen Sony Michelle, Patriots on a rookie deal, four hundred eighty thousand dollars. Legarrette Blount appears two years in a row on this list. Believe it or not, both coming in at under a million dollars. C.J. Anderson for the Broncos in twenty fifteen, around half a million dollars. Legarrette Blount appears a third time on this list in twenty fourteen for the Patriots at seven thirty seven hundred. $30,000 in 2013 the Seahawks leading rusher in the Super Bowl was actually Percy Harvin believe it or not who was making 2.5 million dollars but again he was a receiver so he did a little bit more than just be a running back uh Ray Rice for the Ravens in 2012 is making two million dollars Ahmad Bradshaw 1.5 for the Giants and no one else above a million anywhere close to a million dollars the point being all this to say sorry I just threw a lot of numbers at you Winning teams do not pay running backs. Large contracts for running back. And I understand if you're the Titans, you have to pay Derrick Henry. If you're the Panthers, yeah, you got unfortunate luck with McCaffrey. And I, I got a pretty good haul for him in a trade. Uh, you had to pay Christian McCaffrey. I think there's a couple of guys that are maybe the exception. Saquon Barkley just got the franchise tag. He put a whole season together this year. He was really phenomenal. But they didn't commit to him long term. You hand a running back a long term high money contract you're, you're signing a death warrant it, it, it just and that's just the reality of this or the Raiders cannot give Josh Jacobs a big money long-term extension he was great this year and he's entering the pro probably as are uh, is in the prime of his career but you can't you just can't give Josh Jacobs a big contract winning teams do not pay running backs large sums of money the numbers say it well the Raiders definitely don't have to worry about paying car so who else? Are the Raiders going to pay on their roster that that's worth that type of money? And that's the biggest question. So you, if you eliminate one problem and you get rid of Carr, and Carr was never the most valuable player of the NFL, uh, nor did he lead the NFL in passing. Uh, but Josh Jacobs has led the NFL in rushing. Well, it's like just because you have money to spend, it doesn't mean you have to give Josh Jacobs a, gi a giant contract. Mm -hmm. It's like if you want to give Josh Jacobs, I, I don't know, a, maybe we'll see a trend where like running backs start getting these big like two-year deals or something like that, which is okay. I mean, you brought up Dalvin Cook. Right. Dalvin Cook was not good this past year, and he was making $12.5 million. And Alexander Madison, his backup, was just as productive when he, when Dalvin Cook was off the field and he was on the field. It, should, you, it is the easiest position to get cheap production from. Fill, fill other holes on your roster. Uh, you just don't need to do it. Do you feel that you want to be given that exclusive tag or that non-exclusive tag if you're in the NFL right now? Because we, we mentioned the Giants earlier last week or later in the last part of last week. We were talking about the money that... The Giants were going to pay Daniel Jones, whether he was going to be franchised or not. But they used their non-exclusive franchise tag on running back Saquon Barkley. Yeah. And again, what does that non-exclusive franchise means? He can negotiate with other teams. Well, I'm not a super against the idea of franchise tagging a running back who was for in Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs' case, honestly, like 70% of the offense. Because, that's the uh, yeah, it's big money, but it's not committing long-term. It's these long-term deals that are burying teams salary cap wise Ezekiel Elliott I sorry but Alvin Kamara uh that it's it's just not a good deal right now so uh for Daniel Jones he's getting now what 40 million dollars a year which 
Sounds like a ton, but it sounds like the Giants have an out after two years if they want it and they can cut him with no penalty. So you're tied to Daniel Jones for at least the next two years. I don't know. Maybe you. Maybe if Anthony Richardson drops or Will Levis drops, you, you spend a first-round pick and let him develop on the bench for two years and then move on. I, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, four years, $160 million for Daniel Jones at first glance is, yeah, yikes. But, again, like I said, they I believe they do have an out after two years where they can't cut him without penalty. So, so you're against paying running backs. I'm against paying running, handing a running back a big long-term contract, yes. You're against paying a running quarterback. I didn't say running quarterback in general. I mean, I, I don't— the best one there is. Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Well, I'm against paying a quarterback that can't stay on the field and has missed 11 games over the last two years and handing him a big guaranteed contract. Well, that I, I just I know you don't like Lamar's performance on the field. I like Lamar. He's fat. He's on, fantastic on the, on the field. You don't think that his resume says that he's worth that money? I think he's missed 11 games over the past two years. And I think he hasn't finished the last two seasons. How do you give someone that kind of guaranteed money? Because you know that when he is on the field and when he's healthy, he is a top five quarterback in the NFL. And what? And how much playoff success has that top five quarterback in the NFL ability gotten them? Can we can we pin all that on one guy? I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's all his fault. Or the Ravens just haven't had playoff success. But I just don't see how you hand. Lamar Jackson, a fully guaranteed contract, and Tuco says he got hurt standing standing in the pocket or, or running around. It doesn't. I'm not saying he got hurt because he's running around. He just hasn't stayed healthy the last two years for whatever the case may be. It, it doesn't matter how he got hurt. He's been hurt. Sometimes you get in a little bad luck stretch. There's an element. There's an element of that. Rodgers, he he went through a phase where he missed a lot of games every year. You know, back to back years. Uh, you know, it happens, right? So and and. In, you're saying in two years he's missed 11 games. What was he doing two years before that? What Was that not his MVP season? Uh, yeah, they lost in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but again, what if Lamar would be willing to take the contract Daniel Jones got, for example, I would give Lamar that. Yeah. Why? No, and that's ridiculous. Why would Lamar, an MVP, be like, you know what? Y'all are paying Daniel Jones, a guy who's only been good for six <laughs> games. You're talking about a guy who's missed 11 games. Daniel Jones has only been good for six games. And I was like, you know what? I'll take that. I mean, I don't just because the Giants are dumb doesn't mean the Ravens have to be oh, doubly man. dumb. Hey, hey, Michael, if you'd work for seven twenty-five, you'd always have a job. Yeah, <laughs> duh. <laughs> That's a fact. You can't argue with that type I, of man. Again, that, you're you're making fair points, Nick. I my point, my main point being the guy just has not been on the field the last the end of the season, the last two years. He's missed eleven games over the last two years. I just don't see how you can hand him a fully guaranteed contract when I, if he had won a Super Bowl. In his MVP year, sure, but they haven't had any playoff success, and he hasn't been able to stay on the field. I just, I, I don't know. You, what is the max amount of money you would pay Lamar Jackson per year? Per year, yes. Like in in the forties. In, in the forties, so, so number, Gino, exact number. Geno Smith, fifty-two mil right, uh-huh. on the first year. Again, Geno Smith, the Seahawks can move on from Geno Smith after this year if they Look, want, four four with, without relative penalty. Four-year deal, same amount every year. We know that Daniel Jones is getting forty. Don't say around. Give me an exact number. What are you offering Lamar? He's right in front of you. You're a GM. Is it fully guaranteed? Yeah. Then uh, about what Daniel Jones got. Give me an exact number. Four years, one hundred and sixty million dollars. So the exact contract. Yes. Well, 
I don't think that. Well, Daniel Jones also is not. If, fully. if I'm Lamar's mama, <laughs> mind we're you, walking, we're my, stomping out that. Uh, you go ahead and stomp out and find another team. But mind you, Daniel Jones's contract is far from fully guaranteed. It's like seventy million dollars guaranteed. Because the talent but, isn't guaranteed there. Well, I understand that. I'm j- Lamar's ability to stay on the field isn't guaranteed. Well, I, I know how hard it is to stand up right at the quarterback position, and that's why I give kudos to Geno Smith being able to play. And Geno's the big winner of, of the past twenty-four it, it, hours. When you look at it from a quarterback position, no doubt about it, he is. And, of course, we want our listeners to be big-time winners as we're qualifying our listeners in the morning and in the afternoon for the WNSP March Madness Matchup Challenge. All you have to do is listen for that one shining moment music. And when we come back, you'll be hearing from Ryan Foster, the owner of Gulf Coast Water Reynolds, who has been kind enough to let us get into the jet ski rental process of the prize package. And we're looking forward to hearing from him next here on the final drive on WNSP. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star. And all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's One shining moment, you know what that means when you hear Luther Vandross' great ballads there of the song that really gets you in mood for the masters because you know when that song goes off the air, you know it's time for a little golf that's getting ready to start. But before that, you have our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. and a chance to win a... Brand new flat screen television from Bailey's TV and mattress and two one hour jet ski rentals for you. And what can happen is three people can get on two separate jet skis. And that is courtesy of Gulf Coast Water Rentals and Nick this morning with Lee and Mark they were able to talk to the owner of Gulf Coast Water Rentals, Ryan Foster, and we're going to hear from Ryan Foster as he was talking to Mark and Lee this morning. We have a special guest, Lee, to tell us what else you hit when you hit the jackpot. Let's welcome in Ryan Foster. How you doing, buddy? Doing great, doing great. Good, with uh, Gulf Coast Water Rentals. So what else is going to be part of our grand prize super excited to be here this morning so a part of the grand prize is going to be one hour or two one hour jet ski rentals with us gulf coast water rentals anywhere we can take these anywhere right you cannot take them anywhere <laughs> i can't go to myrtle beach i can't you go to hilton cannot, head and drive these things so around many calls like hey can i come and grab one no unfortunately no you can't do that but we are in dog river and uh, there's a huge ride area that we have you can take them anywhere within that ride area it's a three and a half mile radius and uh, you can, you know, you can go anywhere within that within that designated zone. And what's what's I didn't know this before today, but you guys are the only uh, business that caters to this 
in Mobile County. We're the only one. Well, we're or in Mobile, right? In Mobile, yeah. yeah. We're the only jet ski rental company in Mobile. And actually, this year, I'm excited to announce that we also have um, pontoons. So we got our first pontoon boat that we're adding to the fleet this year. And I'm uh, super excited about it. It's the Sea-Doo pontoon. It is uh, the only jet-powered pontoon uh, on the market. And uh, it's amazing. But for this giveaway, it's two one-hour jet ski rentals. Why did? How did you get started with this? It's, it's, I know it's a new business, but yes. relatively new. Yes. So how how did you get interested? So last year was our first year. So we got started. Um, it's you know being out on the water doing the uh, jet skis, the boats. It's a it's a passion of mine. I grew up doing it, and I uh, noticed that we kind of had a void here in the city. Uh, for someone providing that service, everybody goes to Orange Beach, Gulf Shores, Pensacola. And so now you don't have to do that. You know, we saw, you know, the need and uh, decided to try to, you know, launch something here in Mobile. All right. Uh, before we go further, how can people reach you or anybody at your business who are listening and say, hey, I, I want to take advantage of that? Absolutely. Go to our website, gulfcoastwaterrentals.com, gulfcoastwaterrentals.com. And from the website, there's links to our Facebook page, our Instagram we're pretty active on social media, so check us out. Give us an example of these vehicles. Like, how many can ride on them? All of them are three seaters, but we limit it to two adults. You don't want to see three adults on a on a on a jet ski. It's it's not a good uh, it's, it's not a good event. So, yes, two adults. Uh, we we will allow uh, two adults and a small child, but they are full size. Uh, jet skis. Your dad is a very famous radio personality. <laughs> he is. What if somebody calls you up and says, "Hey, can I get a ride with Ron?" Is that a chance? Uh, yeah, well, I don't can know. Can you get him that. out there? Can you get him out, Ron Anthony? Can you get him out there? I don't know. I don't know. We we'll have to see about that. I mean, he might, uh, you know, watch, but uh, I don't know. He might be willing to get out. I, I can't. I can't speak to that. <laughs> He's a great guy, and he was actually the first host of WNSP Sports back in the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. It, this is the first time I'm hearing of that. So yeah, yeah that that was uh, that was uh, good to so hear. You feel right at home. I you do feel absolutely. Right? Yeah, taking. All right, so those that win, they get this three-and-a-half-mile area to go. And for the record, uh, it, it these things are equipped with anti-collision software. So these things aren't bumper boats. Let's let's make they're, this they're very not, clear. Right, right, right. So um, they are equipped with anti-collision software, uh, geofencing, uh, GPS units. So I can see where they are. Um, but the geofencing zone is set, and if you go outside of that area, It'll bring you down to about five miles an hour. Nobody really wants to be on a jet ski. No, five miles. No, not at all. All right, so uh, this is one of the. This is a great prize uh, for you guys. So be listening for our sounder throughout the course of today. We're going to continue to qualify and uh, and on the final drive as well, uh, guys. This is a prize valued at like two hundred and fifty bucks. So this is really cool. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming by. Tell everybody again. Um, how they can get more information uh, about Gulf Coast Water Rentals and uh, if they want to make plans. Man, spring break's coming up. Absolutely. Spring break's coming up, so uh, make your reservations. You want to make sure that if you want to come out that you uh, you reserve your space and you don't show up and there's nothing available. Uh, but gulfcoastwaterrentals.com. Okay, and how fast do they go? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say 40 miles an hour. You have to say 40. I have to say 40 miles All right. an hour. All right. How fast have you gotten it to go? Well, I can remove, um, you know, the uh, restrictions. Hypothetically, so. rhetorically, of course. Hypothetically, I may have done about 60 on it. Nice. Very cool. Well, we can't thank you enough, not only for coming in, but making this part of our March Madness prize pack. It's, it's very cool, and it's it's one of those things that at this time of year, man, people are always looking to get out on the water. Now you don't have to go all the way to Gulf Shores. Uh, you can stay right here in Mobile. You do not. You can stay right here in Mobile, gulfcoastwaterrentals.com. 
Come ride with us. All right. You, you got a team maybe that these guys need to pick a team in the tournament? Or? I don't. I don't. All right. All right. I, I like it. I like it. I'll uh, throw a team out of this. Go ahead. Just <laughs> name one. You got 68 chances. I'm an Auburn guy. All right. They're, they're, they're going to be in. All right. You have 67 chances. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to they're be in. <laughs> well, Ryan, we really do appreciate it, man. And, and again, folks, uh, spring break, summer. Man, a day date, a weekend, whatever. Get on out there and uh, take advantage here of uh, Gulf Coast Water Rentals. want to thank the owner of Gulf Coast Water Rentals, Ryan Foster, for jumping on with Mark and Lee this morning and just adding extreme value to our March Madness matchup challenge here on WNSP. Again, Gulf Coast Water Rentals. That was Ryan Foster, who is the owner. And if you do are able to win this package, again, know that they'll have two separate jet skis, and that'll be two adults per jet ski or two adults and one child per jet ski. And to qualify to be a winner, someone heard that one shining moment, Luther Vandross music. Nick, who was it? That's right. That was Howard. And remember, everyone... Not only are you getting the jet ski uh, rental for you and all your friends, you're also getting a brand new flat screen TV. This is this this may be the best prize package. I, I think it is on on the airwaves, right? Am I off here? Show no. me a station giving away something better than a TV jet ski combination. And if they are, don't show it to me. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to know. Well, well, here's the great thing. I, I mentioned that you have your March Madness that everyone loves to watch. But right after March Madness, again, comes the Masters. So what better way mm. to watch the Masters than on that on brand new... Oh, yeah, TV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I've seen some pretty creative ideas, but watching the Masters on a jet ski would be a first unless you're holding up that phone. And then, you, you, you know, they say don't... Well, be careful not to text and drive. Well, that would be a situation to where you would have to be careful on those jet skis. And you heard Mark say, how fast can it go? Well, fast. You, you, you'll be able to find out if you qualify and win. And definitely want to be able to meet us at Moe's in order to do that. And when we come back, we've been talking a lot of South Alabama basketball along with our NFL free agency. We're going to talk about Sean Alexander. He has a list that came out today, and it's pretty interesting, and he didn't include himself on it. We'll talk about Sean Alexander and who he feels is one of the best running backs of all time to wear the crimson and white. You're listening to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And before we went to the break, we were talking about Sean Alexander gave out his top four Alabama running backs of all time. And Sean Alexander says Derrick Henry, Trent Richardson, Mark Ingram, the second and Bobby Humphrey. 
are his top four running backs of all time. A very impressive list, and I would love to see and hear from you in the app. Who do you think are Alabama's top four running backs of all time? That's Sean Alexander's list. I'm definitely going to have to agree with them with Derrick Henry. I'm definitely going to have to agree with them on Bobby Humphrey. I'm going to put Sean Alexander in my top four. <laughs> yeah, he didn't want to put himself in there. He didn't want to put himself in there, so I respect that. So I have Sean Alexander in my top four. Definitely have Bobby Humphrey, Derrick Henry, and I'll even go Trent Richardson. I'm going to I'm gonna omit Mark Ingram oh. for a second. Even though he's a Heisman, won a Heisman, he won a Heisman Trophy. I'm going to admit him off of the part of, of the of resurgence of Alabama football. He 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 really was, but he I, I can't. He's not going to go on my top four of all time. I think he's got to be one of the most popular Alabama players, if not the most popular of all time. He has a strong case for it, at least. He he is, you know, energy personified. He's so outgoing and down to earth. Uh, but top four running back of all time to me, Alabama Crimson Tide, Bobby Humphrey, Derrick Henry, Trent Richardson, and Sean Alexander. I think it's that those five, you know, put Derrick Henry first, and you can't go wrong with any other order, any order on the other four. So, well, that was that was a pretty interesting little scenario that Sean. Alexander was able to give in his mindset of who he thought was the most active or the best running backs of all time. And, you know, you talked about, and, and it ties into what you said, the, the value of the running back in the National Football League is different than it definitely is collegiately. But in the National Football League, the big paycheck hasn't come in a long time for the running back in regards to what wide receivers make, what offensive linemen and defensive linemen make, along with quarterback. And not to devalue the running back position, I just think that as the game continues to change, as you went from a three yards to a cloud of dust, mm. and now you're going to seeing everyone throw for 250 to 300 yards a game, it's changed and evolved. Yeah, it's interesting draft-wise. I think as as interesting as contracts. I mean, Bijan Robinson, this Texas running back, uh, Jameer Gibbs is great too. So is Tajay Spears. But I think Jameer uh, Bijan Robinson. A lot of scouts have him as one of the top three or five most talented players in this draft. Fan base. There's not a fan base in that top fifteen that's going to be happy if their team drafts Bijan Robinson, as talented as he is, because it's it's just the the way running backs are thought of. And I think Bijan is going to go somewhere in the middle of the first round. Just the way the position is thought of. No one no one wants to spend a premium draft. If this was five ten years ago, Bijan Robinson would be a top five pick. And it's just not the case anymore. Don't well, draft a running back. Don't pay a running back. <laughs> look at the pay. Look, uh, no, you should draft a running back every year, just not in the first round. And, and we, we've definitely enjoyed Mike talking about not paying running backs today here on the final draft. And final drive here at 5 o'clock, we'll talk to Chris Gordy from Locked On SEC. Coming up next here on the final drive with Corey LeBounty, Michael Bronner, and Nick Wiggins taking your telephone calls and doing an outstanding job producing the show. 251 694 1055. It's time.
time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! It's hour number three of the final drive on this terrific Tuesday. We hope everyone's had an outstanding day and there's been plenty going on in the NFL with the moving and shaking that's going on. Of course, we just wrapped up the NFL Combine as well. And talking about the SEC all the time is Chris Gordy, who hosts Locked On SEC. And Chris, want to welcome you to the final drive this afternoon, along with Michael Bronner and Nick Wiggins. Hey, what's going on, guys? Good to be on. Well, I tell you, we're happy that you are on, and it's that time of year to where, of course, spring football started last Monday for the Auburn Tigers, and of course, they're off this week due to spring break, and no depth charts, of course, coming out, but just great reps under a new coaching staff for the Auburn Tigers, and it still generates a lot of excitement. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, it's funny. I, I've talked with some people who were out there at, uh, at Auburn's practice, uh, you know, last week. And it's a, just, just the, the feeling in the air just feels a little bit different. You know, it's just uh, it's, it's that feeling of newness, the feeling of, uh, you know, positivity with, with Hugh Freeze and company in there. And, you know, a lot of transfer O-linemen and D-linemen. It's going to look very different for Auburn this year. And, uh I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the offense looks like. If it, if it is Robbie Ashford uh, back at quarterback, or you know, if they come out of the spring and said, "Hey," and say, "Hey, maybe we need a little more competition. Let's go, you know, get somebody from the transfer portal, whatever it is." Um, it, it, you're going to see a much different looking Auburn team, and I think uh, you know we've already seen that on the recruiting trail. Hugh Freeze way more involved and out there than Brian Harson was, and so. Uh, I'm excited, man. If you're an Auburn fan, look, you know, I'm not saying they're going to win the SEC West in year one, but I think a lot of reasons to be uh, optimistic about uh, the Auburn program moving forward. Chris, uh, there's been a lot of talk this week about the rotate or not rotating the the three permanent opponents with the nine game schedule, and I guess nothing is official. I, I I'm just going to choose to believe that the opponents that I've seen are, are official. Nick Saban kind of complained i think it's like for lack of a better not not even lack of but he did complain about auburn tennessee and lsu whereas you could probably make the argument that auburn has it tougher even though they get vanderbilt having to play uh alabama and georgia every year uh, i mean your thoughts on just that entire controversy in, in nick saban's in my opinion misplaced uh upsetness over that yeah, I'll agree with you. I mean, any, for for Auburn, any schedule that involves playing Alabama and Georgia every year, um, you know, which is what Auburn's schedule has been, it's it's brutal. I mean, it's been the two teams that have, you know, at least in the last five years, been been the most dominant in the East and the West. And uh, doesn't look like Kirby's program is slowing down anytime soon. And unless Nick Saban retires next year, I don't I don't think Alabama's going to be getting any easier on the schedule. So. Uh, yeah, tough go for Auburn, but again, you understand why the two rivalries there are so important. And um, yeah, I think that's that's where Saban was kind of miss, missing the mark here. Is 
you know, it's about preserving rivalries for rivalry's sake, not so much, you know, a competitive balance. I do think you have to have a little bit of a competitive balance, right? I mean, you, you can't give, uh, you know, let's say you give Georgia, hey, you're going to play South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and uh, I don't know Kentucky. Like that wouldn't be the that wouldn't be the the, the best thing for the conference because you're giving Georgia basically an easier an easier road. But for Alabama, I mean, I, I understood where Saban was coming from. You know, you got to preserve the Tennessee rivalry. You got to preserve the Iron Bowl rivalry with Auburn. But I just thought putting LSU on the schedule every year is kind of like it's unnecessary, right? I mean, it's a it's been a fun rivalry, especially since Saban got to Tuscaloosa. But it feels like a move that's just for ratings, that's just for money, um, and it's not one that you know, is deeply rooted that, that, you know, when you talk about that, the LSU rivalries that they wanted to preserve well, Ole Miss and A&M, they first started playing them in the 1890s. So like those make sense rooted in, in, in rich history and tradition. And I thought maybe, you know, Mississippi state uh, could have worked for LSU or, you know, Arkansas. I mean, there's so many different options you could go with there. Uh, but I think the TV ratings speak for themselves. People watch the LSU Alabama game. And even though, it's a it's a it's a matchup that Alabama has largely owned since Nick Saban has been in Alabama. LSU has gotten the best of them, especially you know a couple times in recent years. So um, again, I get where Saban's coming from. It's a tougher road, but look, you know the way we did the crossover opponent from the East and West in recent years, uh, LSU had to play Florida every year from to the Urban Meyer era, and there were some years where LSU got you know, uh, Florida and Georgia in the East. And there were years where Alabama would get Tennessee as their permanent crossover and Vanderbilt. And it just, you know, you look at it and, well, man, these SEC schedules are not all created equal. So going to nine games and playing everybody every other year will make it a little bit more equal. But I understand that, you know, with the three permanent crossovers, the three permanent teams you're going to be playing every year, yeah, you would like a cupcake in there. And I get where Saban's coming from. Okay, we'll play Auburn or we'll play Tennessee, but, uh, why don't you throw us a Vandy or a South Carolina in here instead of an LSU who, you know, as he mentioned in the last decade plus, you know, three of the, the most, three most dominant teams in the SEC West have kind of been Alabama, Auburn, and LSU. And in the East, it's been Georgia and, and Florida and Tennessee uh, historically. So um, I get where he's coming from, but look, not all things are equal. Like we can't, we can't make it fair for everybody. Somebody's going to be left out there complaining about, you know, the three teams that they get. Well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, there was obviously going to be no world where they were going to get rid of the Iron Bowl. There was going to be no world where they get rid of the third Saturday in October. So that just leaves LSU. And if you ask an old school Alabama fan, they might not consider LSU to be a rival. Like you said, it's been fun lately. I mean, did, was he clamoring for Mississippi State? I know they're the two schools closest in, in the SEC, and it's an hour trip to Starkville. Alabama historically very much owns that rivalry. It's, it, I don't know. I, I just see Nick Saban publicly complain about that. I, I just thought it was a bad look for him and a bad look for Alabama. Yeah, and, and you're right. But, again, I, I just go back to Saban's looking out for Saban. You know, he wants the easiest path. To a um, to a championship, and it, he understands it, what Brian Kelly is being building at LSU is uh, he's not going away anytime soon. In fact, you know he just beat Nick Saban in year one in, in, in Baton Rouge. Hugh Freeze is, is you know the, the Nick Saban kryptonite. of Hugh Freeze is back in the SEC, and he's at Auburn and got all the resources in the world with NIL and all that kind of stuff. So 
you know, it, it seems like Hugh Freeze is gonna is, is gonna build something here, and then look what Heifel's doing at, at Tennessee. Just a couple of years there, he's already you know had a ten win season, and so I think that's just what Saban's looking at. Is it's gonna be tougher for him, but. You know, my question, my counter to Saban is, dude, how much longer do you want to do this? Like, you're already in your 70s. Like, you know, it's, it's just, you're already the greatest head coach of all time. You have all these all these championships. Like, you really want to coach another five to ten years? It just seems unrealistic. But, uh, again, I get it. He's looking out for himself. Nick Saban was having an interview with Ross Dellinger on Sports Illustrated and was asked a number of topics and a couple of them being about the NIL situation and how young people are being paid and Tommy Tuberville's legislation along with Greg Sankey and some of the answers that Nick Saban came up with. He just feels that People are going to school sometimes where they can create the most value for their future instead of and instead of going to where they can make well making money instead of where they can make the best future for themselves. Yeah, and, and I get that, but I also think it, to a certain extent, like you know, shouldn't that be on a on a kid to make that decision? Like I, you know, the the, the ones I don't like is when we get these. You know, these higher-ups who are deciding, you know, who gets money and who doesn't. You know, this is already a billion-dollar business. And, you know, I used to be on that, that side of, you know, well, NIL, they should be – the players should have to do something for the money, right? I mean, if it's a legit business opportunity, you know, if I'm going to pay you $100,000, well, yeah, you should at least have to do some appearances and put out some tweets and all this. But somebody told me a while back, look, if, if this person wants to give this person money and they don't want anything in return – and it's legit on the books under NIL. I mean, what's the what's the problem with that? And so that's where I go back to like, yeah, it's you're you're, you're having schools buying recruits, you're having schools buying players through the transfer portal. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think that's a better we're in a better spot where a 20 year old can capitalize off of their um, you know their name, image, and likeness and, and what they can bring to a school, um, as opposed to before where it was just you know. Hey, we, we took care of your books and room and board, and uh, enjoy eating ramen noodles every night. I mean, I, I think I think we're in a better spot. There has to be some legislation, sure, uh, some policing of it. But man, I'm I'm against some of these other people like Tommy Tuberville who want to come in and police every little thing down to the penny. I, I just think, look, we've opened Pandora's box, and schools, you know, collectors want to pay players tons of money, and they get no ROI, no return on investment. Like I think. In the long term, we'll start to see some of those dollars pull back a little bit. We're speaking with Chris Gordy, who is the host of Locked On SEC. And you have a plethora of SEC quarterbacks who are getting ready to try to make that money in the NFL, whether it's Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, who I think regardless of whether most quarterbacks the rookie year are going to sit anyway, coming off that torn ACL, Will Levis from Kentucky, Bryce Young, and again, Anthony Richardson has continued to blossom as far as from a name standpoint. But let's talk about these great SEC quarterbacks that are coming out all together, whether it be Richardson early or Young paying his dues and deciding that it was time for him after winning the Heisman a year later to go ahead and go to the NFL also. Yeah, I still I still like Bryce Young a lot. I still have Bryce Young as my my first quarterback. Uh, 
I thought Kevin O'Connell, the the Vikings head coach, he was on the NFL Network during the combine coverage over the weekend, and he had a great quote. He said, look, the, the heart of an evaluation still has to be the film. You know, the, the film don't lie. I mean, like, we have to base the evaluations primarily off of what we saw from the, from the kid in college. You know, Anthony Richardson was phenomenal over the weekend. He was a freak athlete. The vertical jump, the 40-yard dash, all that was unbelievable. But you know what wasn't on the field? Defensive backs, defensive ends, linebackers. I mean, you know, this is this is still football. It's not uh, simulated, you know, running, um, you know, events and, and, and all that that we saw at the Combine. And so I'm happy for Anthony Richardson, and, and somebody is going to take a chance on him very high. But I think in a best, you know, best situation for – a Will Levis and a, and a Anthony Richardson is that they get drafted in a spot that you know they could back up a veteran quarterback in year one and kind of sit and learn, you know maybe get on the field a little bit. But I think those two guys are, are more primed to uh, to be candidates to sit and learn and start down the road. Whereas I think whereas I think Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are, are day one starters in the NFL. Um, you know all the criticism with Bryce and his height, I, I, I get it, I understand it. But, you know, it's silly when they say, okay, he's, ten, he's five foot ten and a half. And somebody said, well, if he's six foot one, I would take him, you know, immediately. It's like, really? So, like, two and a half inches more, and you would, and he would be a lock? Like, what, it, at the end of the day, what does that really mean in the NFL? Uh, yeah, I talked with Mike Griffith, uh, who covers Georgia a few weeks ago, and, and he brought up, you know, in that SEC championship game and the national championship a year ago, Bryce Young went up against a Georgia defensive line that included, you know, Trevon Walker and – um, you know, Jalen Carter and, and Jordan Davis and all these guys that were either first-round picks last year or are going to be first-round picks this year. And he's like, you didn't really have a problem with all those guys. And all those guys on Georgia's D-line last year are bigger, taller than some current NFL D-line. And so the concern is his height and all this. Uh, all right, whatever. But, you know, I didn't see it really affect Bryce Young in college. I didn't see him getting a ton of passes batted down. Uh, and then people complain about his frame. Well, he is what he is. I mean, he's been able to be effective. And if the if the concern is, oh, he's going to get hit in the NFL and, and and hurt very badly, look, scared money don't make money. I mean, you know, like I can't be sitting there afraid Bryce Young might get hit and and he might get hurt um, throughout the NFL. All I know is this: he's made he made every throw in the NFL in, the, in college that I think he can make in the NFL and. Again, I would still put Bryce Young number one on my board. I, I, again, all three of them were impressive in Levis, Richardson, and Bryce Young. And I think all three will go in the top ten of this draft. And, um, hey, they'll all make a lot of money. Chris Gordy, not just the host of Lockdown SEC. You can... The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star and all the years. Be the first to call Nick on the phone to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue. When you hear that one shining moment music, you know we are qualifying for people a show here on the final drive and the opening kickoff for our WNSP March 
Madness Matchup Challenge, and that will be held next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. at Moe's Barbecue Downtown. And if you're a qualifier and a winner, the winner and our grand prize will receive a brand-new flat-screen television from Bailey's TV and Mattress, and also you can get Jet Ski Reynolds uh, rentals from Gulf Coast Water Rentals, Nick. And I know as soon as people heard that one shining moment, the phone lines lit up. I, I want to emphasize this because I know the phone lines are lighting up. It is the greatest prize pack ever assembled that we're going to be giving. <laughs> we're going to be giving out at Moe's Barbecue on Wednesday, March fifteenth, for the March Madness matchup. But I do want to emphasize this: if you are having trouble getting through. There are going to be eight spots that we are, you know, there are 64 teams in the tournament. We're, we're only qualifying 54. I think my math is right. There are 56 people. There are going to be eight slots for uh, whatever, whatever the math works, whatever the math works out to there. I don't, don't make me do math live on the air, but whatever the math works, there are going to be eight spots of pe- for open spots, people who didn't qualify. So even if you can't get through, come out. It's going to be a fun time. Corey and I are going to be doing our show live from Moe's Barbecue that day. It is literally the start of the greatest sporting event of the year why would you not come out that's right and the guy who just qualified before one note even played he was ready to dial <laughs> i think he had us on speed dial oh, he carlton knew. is now carlton one of our qualifiers. that's my guy well I, I i will say this the fact that when i do hear that one shining moment music it signifies the end of march madness and i know that South Alabama's season, unfortunately, came to an end, and I was hoping we would get just a snippet or a clip to be able to see someone in a South Alabama uniform in March Madness, in the big dance. The Jaguars fall to Louisiana last night, 71-66. to The third time this season the Raging Cajuns were able to defeat the Jaguars, and South Alabama was only 17-28. of from the free throw line and that ultimately was their downfall as Lafayette, excuse me, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns were nine out of 12 from the line and South Alabama three out of 11 from the three point line. And really when they made their run here in the opening round, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, they were able to knock down that three ball and South led for almost 25 minutes of the game and just could not hold on to win that game. Yeah, I the more we talk about it, the more <laughs> the more uh annoyed I am by just by how close they were. I, it, it, I you hate when it comes down to free throws too. I I you know, it's it maybe a simplistic mindset, but I always say, you know, they're free. They're called free throws for a reason. You got to make them. Uh I mean, and we're going to be talking about this for the entire month of March. The reality that if you don't make free throws, you're going to be going down early. I mean, you shoot 60% from the free throw line in the Sun Belt Championship. It's just not going to be enough to get it done. And again, they're free. Yeah, they, they're they free. And no free tickets to March Madness are given. Just free opportunities here on WNSP to join our March Madness matchup challenge and qualify. And we look forward to seeing everyone next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. at Moe's. And coming up next here on the final drive, 
It's March Madness, Sunbelt Conference Championships, other conference championships going on. The ACCC, which is the Junior College State Championships, are going on in Huntsville, Alabama. And we have a couple of local teams that one has already won today and the other one will be in action. We'll talk to Coastal Alabama's athletic director next. This is Charlie Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. World time. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. We've had a great show for you today, and it will continue to be great for all our listeners is every day we're qualifying four people on the opening kickoff as well as the final drive for our WNSP March Madness matchup challenge. And again, it all goes down at Moe's Barbecue downtown starting next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. You don't want to miss that March Madness challenge and March Madness is going on in the junior college ranks right now, and we welcome the director of athletics for Coastal Alabama Community College, the Eagles, the Sun Chiefs, and the Warhawks. Daniel Head is the athletic director for all of those programs, and right now you're probably seeing your programs. One has already been victorious today, and you have another one that's getting ready to play tonight at 7 o'clock p.m. Good afternoon, Corey. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I thought I was calling in to get a chance to uh, get a, into the March Madness. You want to qualify. You got like 45 more tries, Daniel, so there's plenty of time. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, man, I, not, not the right caller this time. No, we had a great day so far for Coastal Alabama Community College. Um, the Sun Chiefs, uh, Coach Robbie Robertson and the guys, uh, they opened up the ACCC uh, Region 22 tournament this morning. At, well, not this morning, today at noon uh, against Wallace State Community College in Hansville, Alabama, and, and uh, with an 88 to 80 victory uh, to, in the first round to make it to the final four of this tournament, which uh, the winner of this tournament will uh, get an automatic bid to the NJCAA national tournament in Hutchinson, Kansas. So uh, they're one, they're two games away from uh, punching their ticket. So uh, we we were excited about that, and then. Tonight, uh, we have the nightcap with the Coastal North Eagles and Monroeville uh, playing uh, the defending, I think, three-time state champion Shelton State Buccaneers out of Tuscaloosa. So, uh, it's great, been a great day of basketball up here in Huntsville at the campus of Alabama A&M. Of course, there is a northern division and a southern division of the ACCC, which is the junior college ranks here in the state of Alabama. And in coastal Alabama South, they had the divisional player of the year in Braxton Williams. So I know not only did he lead his team to a victory today, also picked up some hardware while he was in Huntsville, Alabama participating. Yes, they announced that right before the game. So he got a, um, a little bonus surprise uh, before the tip-off. Uh, and he was in uh, Braxton Williams, was ACCC 
player of the year for the Southern Division. Um, it's just, I'll tell you what, you couldn't, you couldn't find a better kid. Um, I've seen him play since he was in ninth grade. He played with my son at Thomasville High School um, and uh, th throughout those years, and I got to see him play in high school, and then he went on with Coach Robertson, and he's just grown and developed and matured so much, and he's just a great kid on and off the court, and uh, he deserves everything that he, he's getting. And uh, I tell you what, the scouts are, are here at this tournament. Uh, this morning, I know after the conclusion of the first game, our commissioner, Dean Myrick, uh, told me that there were 49 college coaches that had already checked in you know, at the end of the first game. So uh, it's a great event up here in, uh, at the campus of Alabama A&M at uh, the event center. It's a brand-new arena. Um, Otis Hughley, the head coach from Mobile area that a lot of people are familiar with, uh, runs a program up here. And um, it's, it's an exciting tournament. Not only to be excited, your women for the Coastal Alabama Ladies Sun Chiefs and Cedric Yelding are up there as well, and I do believe they get started tomorrow, or right around 5 o'clock p.m. versus Wallace State. That is correct. Today was the, all four of the men's games today. Tomorrow is all four of the women's games, and uh, the Sun Chiefs tip off at 5 p.m. tomorrow. Um, the, the, the ladies uh, arrived today in time to watch the cheer on the Sun Chiefs men's team this, this morning at 12, and um, Coach Yelding and I sat together during the game, and of course we're we were kind of talking some Jag basketball there and, uh, you know, about the game last night and, and we're watching and pulling on the Sun Chiefs today and we're pulling hard and uh, had a good time during the game today uh, and enjoyed that victory. So we're excited about their opportunity tomorrow. They have Wallace State Community College of Hansville tomorrow, just like the men did today. So, And then again, you have your nightcap that you mentioned about you have the team that defeated Coach Robbie Robinson for the divisional championship, Coastal North men's basketball, and Chuck Taylor and the guys do tip off against 7 o'clock p.m. against Shelton State, and Coach Eatman had done a wonderful job at Shelton State, and he moved on, and now you guys have an opportunity there, and Chuck Taylor have can survive in advance the night after the 7 o'clock game. Right. Uh, Chuck Taylor, you know, you'd say be the number one seed in, in the Southern Division, and um, they're the conference champions. And, you know, it's not going to be an easy task. You know, when you play the defending champions, uh, they're going to have to go through the defending champions to win the championship. So um, it's a great opportunity for them tonight. Uh, I talked to him uh, just about an hour ago, and he said the team sounded focused and ready to play, and he, he sounded confident. So uh, I think Coach Taylor, um, he's been here before. He's taken them when he was at Paris Junior College in Texas. He's taken them to Hutchinson to the national tournament. So he understands what it takes to win these tournaments to get to the national tournament. And so uh, I know they'll be well prepared. So hopefully uh, the, the players show up, play, and, and uh, you know, leave it all on the court tonight. We're speaking with Daniel Head, who is the director of athletics for Coastal Alabama Community Colleges. The Eagles the Sun Chiefs, and the Warhawks, as all three of those schools are under the Coastal Alabama Community College brand. And with it being spring, we know that softball and baseball are in full effect and literally in full swing as well. So I know that you have three different campuses to where you have a lot of events going on from a softball and baseball standpoint also. Absolutely. It is, uh, it is a busy week. We opened up, uh, we had uh, softball conference season started this past weekend and uh, baseball conference play starts 
this week uh, on Thursday. And uh, so we have baseball and softball conference play starting both in Monroeville, Bruton, and Bay Manette this week. Uh, and like I said, in the basketball tournament going on up here in Huntsville. So we've got a lot of, a lot going on on all of our campuses. And uh, we've got a lot of activity and we've got some great student athletes that, uh, that go, you know, that go out and compete for us and represent our organization. And, uh, you know, we're happy to be able to represent the Coastal Alabama brand. Well, you guys do have a phenomenal brand, and there's a lot of local athletes, not only on your men and women's basketball rosters, but on all your athletic program rosters, whether it's softball or baseball, also tennis, as well as, again, how can people follow you to see the three brands of Coastal Alabama Community College, whether it's the Eagles, the Sun Chiefs, or the Warhawks? It's, it's pretty easy. We, we have a website for each. Uh, it's www.coastalsunchiefs.com, www.coastalwarhawks.com, and www.coastaleagles.com. So um, you just www.coastal and then the, the mascot and then .com, and uh, you can go find each of those athletic programs, and you can follow. You can see the schedule, stats, scores, rosters, and uh, updates and, and highlights and things that are going on. Links to our social media pages. We have, uh, you know, Twitter, uh, athletic Twitter pages, Instagram pages. We, we've got it all going on, trying to get as much content out and promote our student athletes as much as we can to help them uh, be successful and move on to the next level. So uh, we've got a lot going on. We're excited about what we have and a lot of the former players that we've had come through the doors over the years, you know, that are being successful. Um, on and off the field also. Well, Daniel Head, being the Director of Athletics for Coastal Alabama Community College, we can't thank you enough for your time here on the final drive, and we wish both of your teams that are playing on the men's side and, of course, your team and Cedric Gilding, who played tomorrow, the best of luck in surviving and advancing in this March madness here that has begun with these tournaments. Daniel, you be safe and enjoy yourself today. Thanks for all you do to promote our athletics and in, in the area, Corey, and y'all have a great afternoon. My pleasure. Daniel Head, the Director of Athletics for Coastal Alabama Community College, joining us, and congratulations to Robbie Robinson. Southern Division moving on. They have the Player of the Year, Braxton Williams, on their roster, and they'll be moving on as they were big-time winners today. And we'll move on to the end of the show here next on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is Slick Billy Short from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and you're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Bronner and Nick Wiggins has been producing the show today, taking your telephone calls for our qualifying for March Madness, our matchup challenge. And I know my best friend, Gene Smith, he tried to call and get through, but he was not the first caller mm. when that one shining moment came on 
And, you know, I told him he's just going to have to keep calling and keep calling well, and keep I, calling. I, I mean, he surely he's out of chances, right? I guarantee he <laughs> wants to qualify because he wants that new big flat screen TV as part of the grand prize that we're going to be giving away along to have an opportunity to get on some jet skis and ride out with Gulf Coast Water Reynolds along with Bailey's TV and Mattress giving away the brand-new flat-screen television just in time to view the Masters. And again, next view Wednesday. March, view March Madness. Heck. It, well, you can't, you can't beat that opportunity. To, to to sit here and get, like you said, the mecca of prize packages. It's like you can set it's like the third TV you can add to your setup just you know, just in time for March Madness. And, and you need I, a couple for that first weekend. I told my best friend Gene Smith he's just gonna have to join us at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at six if he's not able to get through on the telephone lines. And you know, today we've been talking again about South Alabama coming up short to the Raging Cajuns and not having an opportunity to experience the March Madness, losing 71-66. to Congratulations to Richie Riley. And I can't say it enough, the, the, the job that he did to turn around the boats when the boats were burning and trying to sink and taking on water. His mantra is hashtag burn the boats. Well, I tell you, when it was looking like it was up in smoke, he found a way to keep that team together and make a heck of a run into the Sunbelt Conference Tournament Championship. Yeah, I, I think that really needs to be emphasized because, I, I mean, Mobile, <laughs> Mobile's not the biggest town. There there was a lot of criticism of Richie Riley fly, flying around, right right or wrong. I mean, the team was 2-7 and seven in the Sunbelt. They, they were not... They were not off to a good start at all in the Sun Belt. And, I mean, for, for them to turn things around the way they did uh, while, while noise was flying around, I mean, and then make a run to the Sun Belt Conference Championship, I just credit to Coach Riley. It, it really does speak to the character of that team and that coach and, uh, you know, good things ahead for the program, I think. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of run they can put together because, again, the Jaguars not being to the NCAA tournament since 2009, that's a long time. And you don't want to sit here and have to continue to be beyond another three or four years before we have an opportunity to make the conference championship. And it's hard to make it to the conference championship, especially the way that South Alabama did it as an eight seed knocking off a one seed and a four seed and taking on a two seed. But again, Richie Riley and the guys, especially Zay Moore scoring a career high 33 points against the raging Cajuns. And the fact that we played them a week and a half ago and they absolutely kicked the tails of South Alabama on national television, South Alabama led for almost 25 minutes in this game last night and we're about an inch away from tying it and sending I mean, it to Owen overtime. White had a wonderful look that Richie Riley designed an outstanding play and just weren't able to knock it down and I thought that was going in. I did think it was going in too and I tell you what did go in is some of these direct deposits for these NFL players <laughs> and we're smooth. talking about how 
these franchise players are either being tagged or having the non-tag exclusive tag as part of their contracts. And we've been talking about Geno Smith yesterday signing a three-year deal with the Seahawks, $52 million guaranteed in that first year. And we've talked about Lamar Jackson at 26 years old. He gets franchise tagged, the non-exclusive tag, and the fact that he does not have an agent does that help him? Does that hurt him? I think that he's going to wind up staying with the Ravens. Does not have an agent, but again, his teammate, Rokon Smith, who's the middle linebacker, did not have an agent and wound up signing a deal worth $100 million five years as the middle linebacker for the Ravens. I mean, of course, this will be a, a story we continue to talk about Lamar Jackson-wise over the next coming weeks. I, I mean, So you think they'll, a te- the Ravens will match any offer the team gives them? I mean, at that point... If you're Lamar Jackson, and I think Zach Gelb made this point on this station last night, it's like if you're Lamar Jackson and you come to terms and agree to a deal with another team and then the Ravens just match that, aren't you probably a little bit annoyed at the Ravens? It's just like, couldn't we have just worked this out without going through all this? Pay the man. Pay the man is all I can say. And I know Nick, the NBA Kevin Durant, trying to get back home for the Phoenix Suns making that debut what is 3-5 going to do for the Suns? Man, Kevin Durant's that guy that can fit into any offense, get his 30, all while helping your other players continue to get their 30. And He's it, a unicorn in that way. It's coming tomorrow night as after he was traded, they're going to host the Oklahoma City Thunder. So how iconic will that be having an opportunity to play against a team that you once donned the jersey of even though it's been many moons ago now it's still an opportunity for him to make that phoenix suns debut and he started off with the bang and of course the nba without lebron james being injured will continue to go on we'll see if the lakers can make a push and we'll continue to keep everyone updated but anytime you can make a debut especially the way that kd has exploded onto the scene with the Suns. Mm -hmm. One of the best players, if not the best player in the league. When he's healthy, without question, we'll continue to watch and monitor how the NBA will wrap up. And we're going to wrap up a wonderful show today to where we had Luke Johnson from the Times-Picayune talking about the New Orleans Saints. Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, joined us. We also heard an interview from this morning with Ryan Foster, who is the owner of Gulf Coast Water Rentals, Chris Gordy from Locked On SEC, and Daniel Head, the director of athletics for the Sun Chiefs, the Warhawks, and the Eagles in coastal Alabama. want to thank everybody for tuning in. want to tune in in the morning for another chance to qualify for the March Madness Matchup Challenge here on WNSP 105.5. Thank you.